coming to you live from inside the globe, perched high atop the Bugle Planet building in sunny Gotham City. It's Hey Kids Comics with two guys who are always ready to seduce the innocent, your hosts, Andrew Farmer and the Jedi Cole Houston. And now it's time for Hey Kids Comics. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Hey Kids Comics. I'm Andrew Farmer. With me as always, the Jedi Cole Houston. Hey, everybody. There he is. And love is in the air. It is Valentine's Day season again. Yes. We're we're Valentine's adjacent on the release. It didn't quite hit the mark on getting this out on Valentine's. But that's all right. That is all right. That's fine. They don't care. Yeah. They don't care out there. They're... They're like an old married couple. I just we'll get around to it. Right, it'll it'll happen one of these days. They'll, they're they're fine. They you know we are um we are hip deep in um planning and getting ready for all con and so this will be the last episode that we have before we go on hiatus. So we're gonna have a little bit of fun tonight. Um, Actually, it's the ready. annual hiatus. You're used to it, right? Okay. This is where you know. The boys go. Uh, the boys go off to Vegas for the weekend, and then nobody talks about it for <laughs> the rest of the year. Um, forever. Yeah, forever. Uh, yeah, but tonight Cole had a brilliant uh, idea for a show, and uh, one I don't think we've. I don't think we've done this one at all, and that's kind of a shame because uh, it is it is rich and replete with history, um, and that is comic book love triangles. Yes, indeed. Oh, yeah, it's so great because um, I, I, I challenge every person out there not to immediately think of like 14 or 15. <laughs> there are so many from the really, really obvious ones to the, um, to the, to the more obscure. <clears throat> and, you know, I think it's important right off the bat as we kind of wade into this that we talk about the fact that Literarily, the love triangle has been a, a vehicle, a um, a truncheon at times to <laughs> beat you over the head with an idea. Oh yes, there there is one that uh, I'm still bruised. It, it hit me so hard that it knocked me into 2020. What the, I've I caught up. You caught up with yourself. Like what was so? What was it that 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 knocked oh, you for that far. We, we must save this one for a little later. Oh, yeah. you you holding on to it? All right. And it was a a comic miniseries uh, that was chock full of potential. Oh, it was comics. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, everything from Greek mythology. No, not a, not a personal one. Oh, it wasn't a per- it wasn't like you, me, and uh, Bobby Blakey. Yeah, that was that. That's tragic. There. Our classic so. love triangle. Our classic yeah. tragic love triangle that we had. Um. No, the like, panda himself. if you go back through time and look at, you know, so we've talked ad nauseum on the podcast about how um, comic books get their nod or they, <laughs> they, they they scrape off the top or glean from mythology so frequently. And, you know, mythology and classic literature just just an inch deep and a mile wide with these, you know. The, oh, yes. The first one that comes to mind for me is... Uh, Lancelot, Arthur, and Guinevere. Absolutely, very good historical nod there. Yeah, I mean they—that kind of sets the the tone for 
for comics, I think. Does that, I mean, it, am I wrong in that, you know? No, I think that you're absolutely on the right track, because that is one of the classic, tragic, adulterous, really <laughs> bad idea love triangles ever. <laughs> really bad. This is a really bad idea. Um, yeah. But it's one of those... Bad call, that's a lot. Bad, bad call. Bad call, Richard Gere. Remember that movie where it was... Oh. Uh, Richard Gere and Sean Connery were, it, what was that, first night? Yo, yeah. Richard Gere was, and they're all, like, in their, like, late 50s, and I'm like, what? Am I, I'm going to assume that. Hey, you know, old people have affairs, too. Well, it wasn't even the affairs. Think of the same time next year. I, I would, I would much rather assume that they were having an affair than fighting wars. Yeah, that's true. And then the, in Paul Verhoeven's Sex Caliber, where uh, Lancelot somehow <laughs> awkwardly stabs himself through the thigh with his sword uh, because he's fighting with himself over his uh, bad idea affair with Guinevere. Uh, in, in much the same way that, uh, was it John Voight or somebody takes an arrow through the hip? Well, that just happened in, in, real in life. deliverance. Yeah, it's just, yeah. It was actually an on. Uh, on location accident that they decided to just roll with it. Well, but, yeah. but, the medic I, says you're going to last a good 20 minutes, 10 minutes tops to shoot this scene. Well, my thing was I couldn't really pay attention to what it was in Verhoeven's Excalibur because uh, of all the lens flares. Oh, well, that's true. That movie was Brian Blessed's White Dream. Wet, wet dream. White dream, too. It makes it sound like he's like a white supremacist. It was, it was sorry, a Blair huge influence on J.J. Abrams. Huge. Huge. So I want to start from the top and ask this question, because when you when you look into this, when you do research, when you're just a thinking fan of comic books, because I look over as I as I look over at my, you know, library, <laughs> I can, you know find immediately like 35 love triangles in comics and it's the first thing is it's bound to happen when you have something that has a 70 year continuity it's <laughs> bound to happen yeah these things crop up yes most assuredly but you know does it can you think of an instance where it hasn't been a let's start here where where it hasn't been hacky where where there's been a love triangle that hasn't been hacky that's a tough one because, in general, the, the superhero genre is has a long history of fisticuffs and, uh, you know, might makes right and punching the bad guy and cold cocking Hitler with a, a left hook and all manner of things that are just <laughs> testosterone-fueled. Sure, sure, yes. But when you get to the softer side, it's, it's a difficult thing for writers who weren't writing the romance comics to get their head around. They're calling up their pals over at Archie Comics saying, like, how do you do it? What's the... Yeah. And therein lies one of the greatest, most prolific and enduring love triangles in the history of comics. Yeah, I that would say so. Everything else takes a backseat to Betty and Veronica and their strange obsessive desire for Archie who is, by the way, the luckiest boy in the world. It has spanned decades. Oh, yeah. I mean, if they aged in real time, they'd all be 100. And we'd be seeing a news report, octogenarian love triangle, 
continues to endure to this day. I was just about to make an octogenarian joke. Thank you <laughs> for that. Yeah. I, Which I, I, I correct myself, that would be the centigenarian love triangle. But, but that, 20 years ago, it was reported on as well. A lot of people forgot that CNN did a piece. <laughs> early, early days. I wouldn't doubt that they, they did. Were, they, were, they were just casting about for anything to report on. And, they, they had to fill 24 hours. And, and... Yeah, exactly. It was all so new. So did, did that one serve a purpose? I think it did, didn't it? Because you didn't have Galactus showing up in Riverdale every third issue and they had to stop him. You had to fill yeah. that with some conflict. I mean, you couldn't just go and, and have burgers at Pops with Jughead all the time. Right. For one thing, you know, in short order, uh, Archie would become less and less appealing, especially to Veronica. Well, there, yeah, there's the there's the early onset diabetes that I'm sure would <laughs> ensue from all the milkshakes at the at the. No, soda that's so jerks, true. Uh, which I'm surprised they didn't have anyway. That somebody needs to address that. Well, there, there's Comics. probably a class action lawsuit from the people of Riverdale against Pop. <laughs> Pop gave us all diabetes. Oh, Pop's sold out by now. Yeah. Pop CNN says we're the most diabetic city in America. Pop wasn't in the yeah, soda. Yeah, they were really hurting for news. Pop wasn't in the soda jerk business. Pop was in the real estate business. That's what oh, that movie was true. about. What was that movie called? Oh, okay. Yeah, it was actually, uh, Pop was actually based on Ray Kroc. That's uh, right. See? Found... See? Figured yeah. it out. Yeah. Figured <laughs> it out. Added them up. Got it done. Way to go, Cole. Way to go. <laughs> Not always that quick, but... Uh... Nailed it. Um, but yeah, no, that is 100% the kind of the first family of love triangles in comics is Archie, Betty, and Veronica. Um, and I guess there's a, when you're trying to, when you're trying to appeal to that audience at that age, I guess that that's the appeal there, right? Like, yeah. Like, you know how that guy, or that girl in school that you really like, and she's got that other boyfriend, you know, that you don't like. Like, here you go. Here, here's, you know, here's some hijinks, and then Jughead's gonna fall down the stairs. It's gonna be great, <laughs> and we'll do that every single episode for sixty-seven years. Every That's right. single issue is, is gonna be that. Um, yes, you're right. But is there are there any that that played out for the right reason? Because I can think of a ton that played out for the wrong reasons. And most tend to, because like I said, bad idea. Just, just, just bad idea. Um, all right, well, fine. Let's get into. Okay, get here's into... here's a love triangle that did play out well. Okay, because it was a love triangle that lost an angle. Okay, so it became a love line. Yeah, it just became With a love Drew, line. So Doctor it... Drew and Adam Carolla <laughs> is the classic. Clark Kent, Lois Lane, Superman. Okay. Lois Lane got some serious hots for some Superman. Clark Kent has some serious hots for some Lois Lane. Wow. I hadn't even thought. Damn it. That's really, that's Martha level good. Yeah. That, you Shit. know. All right. Yes. Yes. Okay. Continue. So you have this dynamic that ultimately when the discovery phase arrives, then it, it settles everything. 
it all works out in the end. It's like, you are the same, you lying bastard. <laughs> I mean, right. I guess she's shrewd enough to realize the necessity of the, the quite frankly, thinly veiled ruse, but still. But in the end, it ultimately works out because she can get everything she wants with everything she doesn't. Right. Okay. She marries Clark. She's effectively marrying Superman. So, you know, then she's like uh, Madeline Kahn at the end of Young Frankenstein. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> That's a really, that is a really good one. That is a I, really I good one. All that Madeline Kahn. Oh, you meant the yeah, yeah. No, that is a good example of one that it actually, you know, had uh, it was a zero sum game, but yes. it worked out well in the end. We watched it play out, and we were, you know, doing yeah. that screaming into the TV thing where we were like, "It's a, you. How are you? How are you so fooled by this? You know, it's exactly it's the same person. He's just got glasses on. You idiot! Like, okay, oh, one of the most heavily parodied circumstances out there. That's really good. I'm, I'm, I, I feel, I feel dumb for not having thought of it, <laughs> but it's really good. Um, there's another that comes from your research. I thought that, you were going to say there's another that comes from urethra and I was going to be very wow, upset by you yeah. saying that. Hey, I was, you, you don't piss on hospitality. No, you don't. <laughs> okay. It comes from my research. Yes, Which I did, guys. I did research for this show. That you did research right very now. well, right now. Uh, in in advance of the show, in advance even of Valentine's Day. This this horrifying nightmare scape you're listening to right now, where Cole and I right. just quote Madeline Kahn and talk about Brian Blessed's White Dream, <laughs> um, had research supporting it yeah it, we're not we haven't got to much of it yet but we're, we're we'll get there eventually right now we're just uh pulling it all out of our ass as normal right so uh enjoy the grab assery the one of the ones you mentioned uh quite shrewdly that had not occurred to me was dr manhattan silk specter and night owl right that one like really really hit and, me and it it is a love triangle that is born out of a love indifference, love discovering love. It, it's complicated. Yeah. Because Dr. Manhattan is rapidly losing touch with his humanity. And at the core of that, you know, here you had Dr. Manhattan, who was a married man. Sure. Who has an affair with a, a teenage girl, which, again, bad idea. Bad, bad idea. Ideas. So many bad ideas. So you have, within, within Dr. Manhattan, you have Osterman, who becomes Dr. Manhattan. He's married to J.D. Slater. He's married to A.C. Slater. No, he's, he's, he's not married to her. That's right. But they did, you know, they had an ongoing relationship. From Saved but by the he Bell. Already, he already knew. A.C. Slater. <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> is that where A.C. Slater got his name? Is that where A.C. Slater got his name? <laughs> I'm too old to speak to that. But <laughs> I'm aware of the television show of which you speak. But, you know, you have 
Osterman and J.D. Slater together, or A.C. Slater, either one, whatever it works for. AC, hey, I, DC, want, I, I want it to be A.C. Whatever the hell I you want, want it to be A.C. Slater from now on. All right. And then from the moment he becomes, presumably, the moment he reconstitutes as Dr. Manhattan, he already knows he's going to have an affair with a hot teenager. I, you, I guess you're right. Because it's, it's effectively preordained because he simultaneously sees everything in his past and future. I guess you're right. Yeah. That's a creepy way and, and to think of it. And speaks to that in that the first time I read it messed with my head so bad. One of two times that Alan Moore messed with my yeah, – Alan Moore's back. Messed with my head so bad that it took days to recover. And then he knows full well that he's going to walk right past Silk Spectre and Night Owl after they've had some sweet, sweet lovings. That's true. That's and he's true. going to smile at them and then effervesce into whatever realm he goes to and is comfortably out of the public eye for 25 years before DC goes and screws it all up. Yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. Say clock. Um, so. Hey, DC's bone claws. That's what we sh- we should have talked about that last last issue or issue before yeah, last. Talking about a cash grab, but this is one where not only does Osterman slash Manhattan, I guess at that point, pretty much mostly Manhattan, made all, made in Manhattan. You no, know, it's what the future holds, what life holds, what this relationship holds. But I think in, in a wonderfully subtle way, um, Dave Gibbons suggests not only a sense of his blessing, but the realization that, you know, his former lover has exactly what she needs is the human connection that he can no longer give her. I mean, granted, on screen, he's got a schlong that goes on for days, but, you know, I'm talking in the comics. <laughs> really? All right. <laughs> I don't know why he wife. couldn't have the classical Greek statue Pinos that, uh, or Pina that appears in. I mean, uh, why didn't AC Slater just really lean into that? That's what I want to know. Put your weight behind it. Yeah, put your weight behind it, AC. God, we're going to hell for this. All right, cool. Um, no, no, you're you're right. That is a that is a really solid, strange, you know strange love triangle bizarre love triangle as they say um one the one that i want to talk about the most on this show that i don't under i don't understand right the like you're talking about one where someone be the first one we talked about was the same person two separate identities in a in a in a kryptonian menage a trois with with a reporter the second one was a literal a man that becomes an omnipotent being and can instantly see all of time as a you know the flat circle um (laughs) the true detective matthew mcconaughey flat circle and and you know has made these decisions are preordained backwards and forward um and you kind of got to be okay with that the big one you know there's there's a few big ones um but the but the big big one for me, is the is the Cyclops, Jean Grey, Wolverine love oh, triangle, yeah. which is the most confusing love triangle ever to exist because 
it's pretty clear from Jump Street <laughs> that Logan isn't the chosen one. And yet... Well, I mean, Gene and Scott have history. They're like high school sweethearts, or private school sweethearts, if you will. Right. And Wolverine comes along, and the ultimate eternal, and if you will... Uh, according to his biography titled Accidental uh, Cradle Robber, (laughs) after a certain point, absolutely everyone he fell for was a much, much younger woman. Has to be, In fact, even the oldest women in Marvel were younger than him. Right. Madam Webb. (laughs) Agatha Harkness. Yeah, exactly. These are just grizzled old women who suddenly feel like schoolgirls around Wolverine because he's like 127 or older. You are not wrong. (laughs) So, you know, by no fault of his own, he's just aging into this kind of May, December of five years ago. This Mathauian nightmare. I feel like, you know, May 2003, December of 1978. What the hell? But the thing, the thing that bothers me the most about it is the fact that it has to borderline on abuse, right? Because he just doesn't stop coming at her ever. No, just constantly. He He is is very stalkery. Yes. And I'm sure there is this sort of, you know, playful justification of, you know, he's as much animal as man. <laughs> he smells far. I smell far. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> I smell the ancient, you know, <laughs> smell the running season from a block away. And it's like, no, no. No, no. no this, this is polite society. You, you live in a, a palatial mansion, for God's sake. You don't get to come hoving in and, and bristle your hackles and uh, do a mating dance and, and show who can build the best, uh, you know, nesting burrow. You also live in the same house as yeah. her and her longtime boyfriend. But then the triangle fractures. And you add more angles, it becomes more of a square. And after a while, in some comics, you're getting into some weird, like, pyramidal, three-dimensional geometry. My favorite of that is Lois Lane, Superman, Wonder Woman, and uh, and Steve Trevor. Trevor. (laughs) Yeah, it's all over the map. And then, you know, if any, like, Olympian gods get... uh, take a shine to her and that just adds to the chaos but no it's like it's like well nobody will release the kraken nobody will ever understand me but you know except wonder woman she'll understand me because you know she's also invulnerable and immortal and all of the things that i am so lois i'm gonna be the last of her kind yeah lois i'm gonna be over here with wonder woman yeah and and you know lois at some at some level has to be like i I don't like this, but I, after a fashion, understand it. How does Wonder Woman feel about surrogacy? (laughs) I'm thinking we put my egg in her invulnerable body, and that's the only way this is going to work. Just ask Isaac Asimov. (laughs) Okay. 
Am I, am I right? Was Asimov uh, Man of Steel, Woman of Tissue? Or Woman of Kleenex? So I honestly don't remember, but I, I like where you're going. Yeah, there was a, a uh, an, essay, an essay written on this very topic, and uh, effectively the physics of it were deadly uh, to Lois on every front of reproductive biology. <laughs> oh, my God. No, that's... That's uh yes okay um, no Larry Niven I I my apologies it of was course not it's Dr. Larry Asimov. Niven it was Larry Niven yeah of course it's Larry Niven um, with forward by David Niven <laughs> no <laughs> I'm not really certain why I was invited to write a forward for this I've never been keen on the fiction of the science that's <laughs> that's like a possible version of Larry Niven that's apparently. like Doctor Hammond writing the forward for. Uh, for uh, Daryl Hammond's of Star Wars, <laughs> of, of SNL fame's biography, it's like why, why am I here? <laughs> so just write it, you old man. Write it's it, a paying gig. Shut up. Write it, you old damn coot. <laughs> you killed an entire island with dinosaurs, you old shit. <laughs> That's right. It's the least you could do. But I think I that is spared no expense. <laughs> Life finds a way. It's so did Daryl Hammond. No, no, I mean, um, shit. Um, I yes, I, you know that's my thing. Is they live in the same house, they eat at the same table. How uncomfortable are the rest of the X Men at any given <laughs> time? Where Wolverine comes stalking into the room. He's like, you're in my chair, Bob, and, Lo and, and Scott's like, I'm, what? I'm not, oh, okay, like. Do you see this right here carved into the arm of the chair? SS plus JG. <laughs> like, I need you to. Yeah, that's, that's French for Wolverine. No, it's not. I carved him with my claws, and I carve you. No. <laughs> it's like, st Stop. Yeah. Stop it. And, you know. I mean, Meanwhile, they're all getting this mental image of Charles Xavier. Don't make me come in there. Right. Why didn't Chuck do something about this fucking assault that was continuing that is, to happen? This will be a good entree into the one that hurt me. The one uh -oh. that hit me. All right. Way back when, I'm uh, trying to conjure up the year, 1985's Squadron Supreme miniseries. Okay. That was the official FU to DC Comics because a highly, at the time and probably to this day, litigious Marvel Comics felt quite free to rip off the Justice League with Squadron Supreme as a kind of one-off some years earlier. Then they decided, let's just go all in. What are they going to do? Sue us? <laughs> and here was their effectively one of the worst JLA stories ever told with characters. I mean, they even went so far as to add characters to the mix to reflect more contemporary JLA members like Nuke, who is their, right. you know, semi-reasonable analog to Firestorm. Right. And so within the course of this, you have, you know, the, the the Kang like enemy um, coming in to uh, promise a cure to cancer if everybody plays ball, 
and uh, Tom Thumb, who's like the only one who's not as analogous as you might imagine. Right. <laughs> Just like a little, you know, Peter Dinklage would play me in the movie character who is just like really brainy and uh, invents stuff. Right. And among the things he invents in the course of the story is a, uh, an old fifties um, beauty salon hairdryer that wipes your mind. It's like, uh, you know, you're waiting for Jim Carrey to come in and be subjected to this over and over. And the idea is that they can manipulate your thoughts and turn bad guys good because there's no moral conundrum there. Right, right. Far more important to turn bad guys good than to, you know, worry about effectively erasing free will and uh, self-determination. Well, then Golden Archer, a.k.a. the uh, analog to Green Arrow, and his lady love, as he calls her, the, um, what was her name? Uh, the Black Canary ripoff, effectively, Lady Lark. Right. Well, Lady Lark's starting to get the hots and falling for somebody else, and, you know, uh, Golden Archer's getting the friend zone, and there isn't some sort of Cupid arrow in his quiver. So he goes to the next best thing, dubious technology, and rewrites her brain pattern to where she's madly, gushingly, you know, uh, love potion number nine kind of in love with him. And nobody seems to notice that overnight she's kicked her new boyfriend to the curb and is just hopelessly devoted in a frightening, you know, Helsinki kind of way <laughs> to her former lover. Right. And it was one of the most awkward takes on the love triangle in comics ever. Very poorly realized and just ham-fistedly presented and and address and it never really you know there's this kind of sense that he's done wrong but nobody seems to really like kick his ass over it tom them never checked the usage logs <laughs> well i that happens so many times with these whether it's a function of just the story moving on new writers coming on different directions i mean how many times did uh did dick grayson uh, you know, Barbara Gordon and Starfire move in and out of a love triangle over the past 40 years. Yes. And, you know, and it's always a shock to them when it happens again. Like, this has been happening for 40 yeah. years because it's because it's a well. This is a, a dangerous cycle you three have been in, and none of you recognize it. It's a well that's so easy to go back to. Where you could just go, oh yeah, okay, uh, uh, Babs. Let's just bring Babs back into this yeah. because things are getting stale. Okay, Babs is back. Awesome. Like, it just, just get you. It's just, it's, brr. it just makes me <laughs> mad. It makes me mad. Um, another one that has the same problem. But we have to go back to the X Men real quick because we we addressed yeah. the uh, the Wolverine, Jean Grey, and kind of. Cyclops, yeah. but. There's also the Cyclops, Jean Grey, Emma Frost. Yes. I saw a brilliant illustration somewhere just the other day that showed, uh, I guess because it was Valentine's, and it showed uh, Jean and Scott walking together, and she's looking over at Wolverine, and he's looking over at Emma Frost. Right. <laughs> right. No, it, yes, 100%. This is like a love trapezoid. What the hell? 
100%. And then you throw, there's a new love triangle that's with the, the, the time-displaced young X-Men in the current universe. Now they've since fixed this, like, continuity and sent them back. But you had Jean Grey, Scott, Logan, White Queen, and then the young Jean Grey, Scott, and Hank. And so you had these two separate, like, weird, <laughs> like, jacked up, like, guys. It sounds like something out of Muggerville. It does. When, Ex- whenever Triangula comes into town. Triangula. <laughs> Triangula. All right. Yeah, yeah. She's, uh, she's actually a vampire. All right, run that down. Let's but, just see where that goes. No, oddly enough, that never really enters into the narrative with Triangula. The main thing is she has this weird hypnotic power where she just sort of insinuates herself into relationships. I mean, she literally has no dog in the fight, but she's compelled to become that, you know, to, to turn a love line into a triangle. <laughs> just to bend. To bend and that. ironically, she doesn't feast upon the blood of those victims. She leaves them alone? Yeah, because she fears they've suffered enough. <laughs> like vampirism, her ability to create, to be the nexus of a love triangle uh, is completely out of her own control. Sure. You know, ask ask a werewolf pre-lycanthropause to think about maybe not turning into a vicious, savage, killer canine. (laughs) They're powerless to stop it. Thank goodness they do age out of it. Lycanthropause sets in, and they barely can transform you, or they get a little hairy, you know, in the fall. Lycanthropause, you're such a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Um, yeah, speaking of speaking of love triangles, I think we have to talk about a few people here. Um, yeah. the, the, the Jean Grey, Logan, Lo- that will never end. That will never, yeah. just understand that that will never, ever end. So I'm going to list some names, okay? Felicia Hardy, Silk, Silver Sable, um, at one point Rogue, uh, of course Gwen Stacy, of course Mary Jane Watson. Parker, of course, Betty Brandt, of course, this is all one man, the work of one man. Spider-Man can, oh, um, he also was Mockingbird recently. Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah, so. She's a honey. That's, you know, there's so, there's, she's a honey. There's so, (laughs) so many yeah, and, and you know if if Green Arrow got a hold of that, and also there was some sort of mind altering device, he could probably borrow it from the uh, alternate universe uh, Squadron Supreme, get Mockingbird right back on his page. So like, Spider Man just can't keep it in his pants. No, that's what it comes down to, and we have to, we cannot blame it on Boys Will Be Boys adolescence anymore. No, but he can blame it on that spider. Oh, 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 okay. So you Because apparently he really does have a Peter sense. So he's got the, the Peter tingle? Is that what you're saying? He's got the Peter tingle. Yes, he does. And I, it's like, MJ, I'm sorry. I can't deny the Peter tingle. Would you ask Galactus not to eat planets? Yes. I mean, granted. Yes. Richard Richards does that every six months, but still. 
<laughs> yes, yes. Actually, I would ask Galactus oh, not to eat oh, planets. The same yeah. way I'm not asking. Same way I'm asking you not to put on a mask and go bone every every superheroine <laughs> on a rooftop that you Get see. Spider block. Don't <laughs> be a spider block. What? What is it? Spider blocker. Spider blocker. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, that's one that for me was always like, good lord, man. Almost, almost as. No, worse. I'm sorry, worse than Batman. Oh yeah, I mean Batman got around. Apparently, uh, did not have uh, condoms in the utility belt uh, when he and uh, Talia Al Ghul were together. Well, it's there's there's. <laughs> but in all fairness, the condoms he does have have uh, like French spikes on them. I like, was going like, to say they're little, little scallopy. Uh, little points like his gloves so they, it, it, and he basically that's deliberate because one look at that like hey look hey bareback's fine let's just let's risk it <laughs> morning after pill and all my my thing is he has to get those condoms that sounded like the most misogynist it really did. <laughs> my apologies to everyone in the world he, my, i was talking about batman my thing is he has to get those condoms sourced from like seven different countries and oh, eight different right. shell companies so that well, nobody can track actually, his back condoms back actually, to him. He has to actually market them in five countries. <laughs> right. They have to be on the market. Yeah. And why would anybody want that these? Could be, that could be anybody's. They're Kevlar. Yeah. Why would anybody want these? But the ones we keep finding are always like unused. They're like open them and, and then tossed. Well, they're also sticking uh, Joker's henchmen to light poles. and <laughs> That's true. In a pinch. I'm in a pinch. i got to use them. It's it's good as those zipper-tight handcuffs when you need it. That's why I don't have any, because I keep throwing them at supervillains. <laughs> Fresh out, honey. Yeah, but there have been, I mean, Batman's big thing, and I think we've talked about this is. Oh, we've talked about Batman's big thing. He's called. Oh. He's got. <laughs> First of all, he's got that big thing. Second of all, he he. I breaks, call it fourth meal. He breaks down in the face of any feminine opposition and will immediately tell you where the bat game is. Oh, that's so true. Um, yeah, you know, it's like best. I think that they're really shrewd supervillains. I mean, that's why Joker got Harley Quinn on board. He really, I mean, she knows, and everybody knows, he doesn't really care about her. But if you basically have her do point, then you can get past Batman. Sure. Well, and my thing is, that he show would, you the Batcave, honey. He would be in the. <laughs> he'd be in the Batcave with Selena Kyle as Batman, and, and Vesper would be upstairs, or uh, Vicky Vale would be upstairs knocking at the door. Yeah. And he's Bruce in. Oh, you know, it feels like John Gilgood and uh, Arthur. Poor Alfred. But what at what at what? So here's the question: Speaking to the Superman, um, you know, dichotomy, is that two separate relationships, or is that depends who you ask? Right. I, think I mean, that's it really does. True. I mean, Alfred's got this complex algorithm that works out whether or not it's a love triangle. Yeah, I think you're you're 100 percent right it's like, there. As long as his paramour doesn't know that he's Batman, it's technically just a completely platonic one-on-one relationship because it's not Bruce Wayne sleeping around. Right. They share a big thing. <laughs> they do share but a. Big they are thing. not the same person. 
as far as semantics need to dictate. Sure. Okay. <laughs> dictate. Dictate. Dictate is big thing. So what are some more uh, love triangles that you can... Uh... Well, one that gets cited a lot that is actually more a, a very complex geometric form is uh, the Mr. Fantastic Invisible Woman Namor. And the reason I say that's complica- even more complicated than that on its surface gives you is because it's also Mr. Fantastic Wonder Woman Namor Silver Surfer or Mr. Fantastic Wonder Woman Namor any number of – there was a one of Catherine's favorite stories that I just farted into existence one day was telling her about the time that when Byrne was writing Fantastic Four and part of the storyline was that the – Richard's family move out to like Jersey or something. Yeah, the suburbs, right. Yeah, they go out to the suburbs to kind of lay low, let Sue be a mom, let Franklin, uh, you know, God bless his omnipotent heart, uh, you know, have something of a normal childhood. And Reed would like morph his face to, to travel into the city. Sure. He looks like a different person. Right who happened to drive an invisible fantastic car. Um, sure, nobody seemed to notice that because he wore glasses. And I was spun this tale about how the second the fantastic car was pulling out of the driveway, it would flit Namor or Silver Surfer would come in on a, a little uh, visit. A little visit. Yeah, the, the, the little bungalow there in the suburbs practically had a revolving door on it. I mean, there, you never knew when a Quinjet was going to land in the backyard. And, you know, <laughs> the next little uh, tryst would be going on. Like, Hulk tender. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, and- I, I posited that she practically slept with the entire Marvel Universe. Meanwhile, Stan Lee's over there pruning his hedges. That girl gets around. <laughs> I do like the um, – the because I, I – uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I get the sense, the, the weird sense that uh, Namor and uh, Reed maybe had more of a thing than – Either of them had with Mrs. with with old Invisible. I I think in the background there was definitely sort of a you know a cuckold bowl thing going on. Yeah, I kind of get that. I, I I think that that's why that was tolerated. I mean, Silver Surfer was sort of a semi unrequited thing, but really, uh, quite frankly, seems like Janet in Rocky Horror. She comes off all innocent and uh, housewifely and, and very, uh, you know, conservative background. But the reality is she's a complete and total slut who has a thing for the exotic. The second wow. her Hot take. Was, yeah. The second her would-be hubby became one of them, a.k.a. Marvels. Then she really started to indulge because she, suddenly she was in that community where unless you really got lucky on Craigslist, the chances of you hooking up with a superhero or supervillain were pretty slim. But she's got a sweet tooth for the supers. Yeah. Okay. I'm with you. Um, speaking of uh, – well, let's – I want to paint a picture of a uh, – I mean, nobody gives a foot job like Namor. No. 
though. He's got those little wings. Yeah. He don't even be tickling. I don't like that. Um, <laughs> that's not. That's not okay. Um, there is. Uh, there is one man whore that I do want to talk about here. Because, okay. I mean, we talked about the fact that Superman, that Spider-Man is a man whore. Batman's a bit of a man whore, but Batman's just a bit of a... I, I don't know. I think, you know, you can take the the billionaire playboy out of... No, what is it? <laughs> I don't know where you're going. <laughs> you, you can put the Batman into the billionaire playboy, but you can't take the billionaire playboy out of the Batman. Or okay, like. I'm with that. I think there's a piece of... The, the true Bruce Wayne billionaire playboy that is in, indelibly stuck into Batman himself. So, you know, deny it all he wants. He's still got that streak of, <laughs> I'm a rich kid. I can do whatever I want. Right. Um, Thanks, dead mom and dad. I want to talk about Martha. a guy who just really, really epitomizes just dirtbag. And I, I think you have to – you might have to go on a bit of a journey to get there, but I want to talk about one Charles Xavier. Ah. Because Charles Xavier had this mat on for Moira McTaggart. Oh, that's so true. For Forever. Yeah. All of a sudden, Bird Lady from the, from the Shi'ar Royal Guard shows up. Yeah. And he's Queen going off to space. He's leaving her on planet Earth. Not only that, on a tiny island on planet Earth, and he's going off into space to hit that. <laughs> and we're not even really sure what the anatomy is. Um, he is. Oh, yeah, she's intimately familiar, but, I mean, is it like a cloaca situation? Do we know? <laughs> oh, no. I don't know if her ovipositor is... <laughs> ...is engaged, but man, talk about a dick move. Yeah, you finally get this. You know, you, you you're chasing you're chasing this Irish lady forever. You finally get her, and then a you know a literal bird lady shows up. And like, <laughs> need you in space. He's like, okay, cool. You're hot. I think. Uh, yeah. Let's go. As bird ladies it. go. Yeah, jump on it. I mean, the X Men are just. I don't know whether it's just proximity when there's so few of them that that it just happens, but. If you look at just the rundown of, you know, X-Mansion, because you got Storm, Logan, and Forge at one point. Yeah. You know, the only ones I think that stayed true blue were Rogue and Gambit. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and there it's hard to say, you know, is it her sensibilities or the sensibilities of everyone that's part of her? Right. Or the I mean, she's worse she off than Sybil. She kills them. Yeah. I mean, really, kudos to Gambit for sticking around that long. <laughs> um, what else? Give me what? Give me, give me one more good one, and then we'll close it down and talk about Alcott. All right. Well, um, gosh, there's so many uh, love triangles that occurred, and you know, it's it's always like this sort of oh, tragic woe is me. Uh, but the you know, we got to go back to Superman, Lois Lane. Okay. And Clark Kent, that was a love triangle that worked out. But there were a lot of bumps along the way, like Lori Lamaris and Maxima and any number of Wonder Woman aforementioned. But, you know, Superman didn't keep those red outside undies on all the time himself. No, no. I mean, he had a he had a thing with uh, Big Barda at one point. Oh, yeah. 
you know, he's had he's had his his he's he's been around the block. But it's pretty much anyone with a capacity to survive. <laughs> okay. Keep going. A, you know, the potential to survive lovemaking and mating. Uh, Lori Lamaris comes from the bottom of the ocean, so she's like purpose built for you know the crushing depths. <laughs> So, you know, Superman, you know, Superman gets all afternoon delight. She'll survive. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, he wants to find his baby, gonna hold her tight, gonna have a little afternoon delight. So we're not, so, so what we're saying is we shouldn't give Superman a pass here. I love Lamp. No, we shouldn't. Um, we need to, uh, to recognize that. Despite his innocent boyish charm of the Midwest, he's uh, he's actually a little bit of a playa. All right, all right, I'm 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 willing to acknowledge that fact. Okay, all right. So let's so as besides, that, if Lois ever finds out, one trip trip around the world and nothing ever happens. Damn it! Damn it! <laughs> you're like a uh, you're like a moil, but you're doing the Donner cut. <laughs> um. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that was That's a Donner Moyle. Donner Moyle, you're one of them Richard Donner Moyles. All right, fine. It, it cuts twice. You let's let's shut this down because we're super punchy and we and, and we need to talk about Allcon. Yeah, we would have the benefit of this being a story arc. I know, right? We had a whole we did an entire. Campbellian story arc during this one hour of a show. Well, I do have to give an honorable mention to Contessa, oh, Nick God. Fury, and the female population of the free world. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's good. Yeah. And and you know what? Going both ways. You know, yeah. the Contessa's got hers, Nick Fury got his, and the rest of us got weird shield STDs. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I got to say about that. Oh damn it! He also got the got a case of the dum dum duggins. <laughs> you gotta get some. You get some penicillin. <laughs> I think you got them dum dum duggins. <laughs> no, this time I got the quarter main. Oh wow! No, yeah. that's bad. So you gotta throw an LMD in that. Um, all right. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> For another, and, and more especially, thank you if you're going to continue to stick with us. Another nonsense. If you can't quit us after that, <laughs> you can't quit us because you're in a because you're, you're a part love triangle of the, with the Cole love triangle. And I and that's right. This show and everyone who bothers to listen. So that's right. No, I, I had fun with this one. What are you talking about? This is a good oh, way to unique, and then oh, this was a lot of fun and. Uh, uh, unmentioned in the entire episode, this has been Hey Kids Comics Isosceles Triangle. That's right. Damn it, Isosceles Cupid. Ah. You probably read the damn title at the beginning anyway. I'm sure they did. All right. So, take it out and post. So, we're going to take about five minutes here and tell you why you should come to AllCon, even though I can't come this year and it's a big, giant bummer face. But Cole's going to be there. Yes, I will definitely be there. And uh, Alcon is entering its 16th year, starting way back in 2005. It lives up to its name. There are over 400 things going on in the course of four days. There's so much stuff that 
can appeal to such a wide variety of people that you cannot not even Kang can uh, can see it all. Yeah, he's just is kind of bummed out. He's having to get his schedule out and highlight the things he really wants to see, even though he's a time traveler. So it's, it's rough on Kang. Life's rough on Kang. But uh, I have been for the uh, great many years the uh, group captain of what I dubbed Games and Theory, the game show track for Alcon. It has gone from being a feature to a contribution to a department to the point where I am now officially uh, Alcon staff. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Alcon have been graciously... uh, being a part of this for so many years and contributing heavily in many ways to making sure this happened. And I'm very proud of the fact that I am now part of my uh, production group, Half-Ass Productions, uh, which has been behind uh, pretty much game shows at Alcon for ages now. Uh, from the moment I coined the, the production group name. And then over the years, we've had a, a number of wonderful people and we've started to kind of get people behind the idea of having a production group name. We have a dozen production groups, 11 other production groups this year. That is amazing. 45 game show content shows this year. That is, I, I don't even know what is, to say to that. This is everything I have dreamed of for years we've had a committed room at Alcon, no matter where it's held for a great number of years now and now we have grown this this is the 15th year of game shows at Alcon. beginning the second year when uh, my wife Catherine mrs jedi cole suggested hey why don't we do a geek uh, gay a geek match game for Alcon?" and for the years that there has been a game show toggle, if you go to all-con.org, yes, find the game show or just go slash game shows, you'll find the uh, article that I write a new one each year for Alcon, kind of outlining the entire game show track, which has not been updated yet apparently, but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll press for that. But I started adding a brief history of all game shows at Alcon. Starting in 2006 with a single game show, the following year there were two game shows. The year after that, three. Nice. Now we have 45. Now, granted, some of that is by virtue of a repeats, but uh, there's probably at least 40 different distinct titles this year. And to watch the history grow and grow every year, and more and more people are involved. So many people who started out in our audience mm-hmm. or as contestants are now game show producers. And we have so many producers now that even with the absence of two or three of them this year, we have a full schedule. I had to scale back from where I'm normally producing about 15 game shows myself to about six or seven. Wow. Yeah. And this year I'm really thrilled to announce for uh, the return of a game show that I have not produced since I believe 2013, and that is Jedi Cole's Prize Pile. In 2011, 2012, and 2013, I successfully defended the prize pile, which meant I had to spend the rest of the weekend giving it all away. So this year, I'm hopeful that perhaps someone will take everything home, a gigantic pile of prizes valued at over $400. Or maybe I'll defend it again for the final time 
because I'm never bringing this sucker back. It's a logistic nightmare and expensive to make happen, but I, I really loved it those first three years. And for the 15th anniversary, it seemed like the perfect game to bring back. And I may be spending 1 p.m. Saturday to 3 p.m. Sunday giving all that stuff away. But That's right. I, I do, and I can attest, I do love giving away prizes at AllCon. You do. And, you know, we the guests that are going to be there this year are insane. Um, For the second time, they're hosting a Battlestar Galactica reunion with Terry Carter, Lorette Spang, Herbert Jefferson Jr., Ann Lockhart, Jack Stalfer, and Sarah Rush. The only uh, participant from last year who is absent uh, by some amazing coup, they were able to get uh, Dirk Benedict. Yeah. Who I'm told would normally be way out of their capacity for the, the budget that they have. Well, I think that the coup I is... believe that Ann Lockhart was... Yeah, responsible for that. And this year they're bringing in uh, Glenn Eric Larson, son of Eric Larson, who was in Galactica 1985. Well, that's what I was going to say. I think the coup is that everybody showed up last year, had a damn yes. blast, and then whoever had Dirk's phone number was like, you have to do this. <laughs> you don't have a choice. We are press ganging you. You are yes. going to come. <laughs> And he had been uh, to Alcon and Infinicon and several other local conventions because she's local to us here. And that she brought got Lorette Spang to come in. Lorette Spang had not done a convention in 30 years and had only done two or three ever. That was just not her thing. And that she's coming back, and she was a delight. I was greatly blessed to be able to work with all seven of the actors on stage and especially to work with an incredibly generous Terry Carter, Herbert Jefferson Jr., and Jack Stauffer. Uh, Terry Herbert and Jack were beyond gracious in indulging a uh, a little program that, in retrospect, we shouldn't have been attempting. But, but you did. You did, and uh, Terry uh, took me aside afterward and, and uh, wanted to make sure that, uh, or uh, I'm sorry, it was rather Herbert, um, Asked me, do you think they had fun? <laughs> yes. I, I, absolutely. And then he looked me right in the eyes and said, did you have fun? That's awesome. And that was one of the most amazing experiences of a long 30-something year career and well, practically 40-year career in, in comic conventions in every capacity imaginable. Well, and no slouch, you know, if you pull up the website, you can see everybody, but Samantha Newark is going to be there. Yes, he's a very recent addition to the lineup. Because she, it's so cool. These people get word of mouth and decide, you oh, know, yeah. that Alcon is this, it, it's such an anomalous convention. Well, it's unlike so many conventions that a lot of these folks go to uh, as guests, I'm sure, especially with the Galactica guests, where they're isolated. They're a commodity. Where Alcon wants their celebrities to interact with the general public and actually go out and be on the show floor and, 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 and engage in things. And it's always a treat when I'm on stage and look out, like here's some of the celebrity guests hanging out, watching what I'm up to. Right. And I'm a regional Z list celebrity here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, returning again this year, uh, filmmaker, Christopher Mim, who does these amazing fifties B movie style films, churning out a, at least one a year. 
Right. And he's got about 20 some odd now under his belt, and they're a lot of fun. Uh, if you're curious about Christopher Mim, you're not going to be able to come to Alcon. Go to Amazon. They're on the. I think they're either. Yeah, I think they're on the Amazon um, Prime Live Stream. Yeah. You can check out his entire catalog of films. They're a whole bunch of fun. And then uh, they have a number of cosplay guests, which, you know, personally, I'm. I have an opinion on cosplay guests. Yeah, but, but you're excited for uh, Fluke Skywalker. Fluke Skywalker, amazing story. This guy who was not a cosplayer, who was not a apparently not a hardcore convention goer, was at some convention where Hasbro was set up. Someone in the Hasbro presentation spotted him and announced to the audience that Mark Hamill was in the room and invited him up on stage and promptly the stage was swarmed and they had to sneak him out back only to discover it. Mark Hamill was in another room doing a presentation and was surprised to find out that he was in the Hasbro room simultaneously. Yeah. This, this guy is the damn is the damnable spitting image. Oh yeah. He is very much Mark Hamill. At, at his current age. It's not like he looks like the young Mark Hamill. He would pass for Mark Hamill and probably does quite often. So it, I think that's a real hoot. I'm hoping to get him on one of my talk shows. Yeah, he's, he's it's it's pretty damn cool. Like, you know, and they do it for four days. Thursday's free. And Thursday, they aren't half-assing anything. Exactly. It may be free, but there's content all day long if you are – it's a great, as they put it, a tryout day. Yeah, you will, you will want to be, you will want to come back if you do. Oh, oh my! Last year, so many people approached me and said they had so much fun at my shows and other events on Thursday alone that they were promptly downstairs buying a, a weekend pass or a one-day pass or whatever they felt they could afford or had time and the capacity to come and do and. That tryout day showed them exactly what Alcon is, and it's the kind of convention we don't see as often as we used to. Well, there are everything from, um, you know, game shows all day, because Lord knows they're trying to find time to fill them with 45 of them over four days. <laughs> That's right. Um, you know, crafting, um, cosplay, uh, how-tos, intros to things like Oh, oh, Erica's doing intro to voice acting because she's oh, nice. been taking voice acting classes. So Erica, um, another uh, another uh, Jedi Cole universe find uh, because she <laughs> won the grand prize. God, how many years ago was that when she oh, was but a I, wee I've lost track of how many years 15, we've been playing. 14, Easily. how old was she when, when she won that? Like. No, I think she's... she would be like 17 or something like that, and, and now she, or 16 or 17 maybe, and, and that was her first all-con. She'd been to one event and won the grand prize off one ticket and, uh, right. and has been coming back ever since. And it, what's remarkable and fun is to see people who were attendees years ago and are now on, you know, one, two, three, ten panels. Holy shit. Volunteering. Uh, I'm being sorry. a featured part of the show. I want to come to this thing solely for, there's a four o'clock panel in Dogwood for learn to play Battlestar Galactica Pyramid and other games. Oh, yes. Come on. Come on. Um, oh, and hey, kids, if you enjoy, if you're coming to Alcon and you enjoy this 
sort of thing, uh, i.e. podcasting. I am bringing back my podcasting day camp where for at least two, if not three days of the weekend, I'll be uh, joined by other podcasters and we'll kind of demystify what it is to be a podcaster. And, you know, you can go in huge and spend a lot of money, but you don't have to. And I want people to know that. And just because somebody else is out there, there's a thousand comic book podcasts, but you're listening to this one because we put our own stamp on what a comic book podcast means to us. And that's the important thing. Don't look at what everybody else is doing. Look at what you want to do, but you'll find that out at the podcast day camp. Plus we have giant marshmallows. Well, also, you know, here's another one. Like this is all Thursday, by the way, (laughs) this goes on for three more days, seven o'clock. Manicore Wrangler and friend of the show, Frank Anderson Jr. has a comic creation workshop in the Maple. Oh, yes. In fact, you're becoming a part of the Alcon comic that will be given away later in the weekend. And then the uh, and then the uh, insane bunny hutch social oh, where everybody dresses up like bunnies and runs around happens. All that drag, which is a, a you know, a a. a a Q&A for the drag for like uh, the burlesque and the drag performers. Um, oh, and hey, kids, Kids Con. This year, Alcon is introducing Kids Con, a special ongoing track all weekend long for the kids. That's awesome. And it really is because a lot of Alcon regulars, this has been around for 15 They've years already. They've had kids. kids. Yes. yes. <laughs> They've had kids during Alcon, <laughs> or conceive them potentially. 100% but, you know, the thing, perceived, yes. Yes. But uh, the thing about it is, these kids are getting older and more aware of Alcon and, and, you know, needing to do something other than being drugged to, like, workshops on how to make silicone molds. And KidsCon is allowing a place where you can go with your kids and there's stuff that's engaging them, and it's not – just the crafts. They have a whole craft room if you want the little ones to have something to, to play with. And, and it's fun. I've been in there and made some crafts myself. And uh, But there's so much more potential there. And so the pretty much the mandate for KidCon is no craft stuff. Right. There's plenty of that upstairs. But it, there's going to be some game shows and some activities and some panels. Um, even they're hoping to get enough uh, some panels on cosplay for kids to let them know that it's okay to keep your Halloween costume and show up at the costume and even be in the costume contest. Um, I will say this. At 11 o'clock in the pecan room, a game show exists that, you know, we've been a part of uh, – whether it's ancillary or, you know, orbital or just dead in the center of every game show that has gone to Alcon in one way or another, we've set up for, written for, hosted, been in the audience, helped out hand tickets, whatever. The, the, my favorite, and this might hurt some feelings or not if they went, hmm. my favorite new game show is Thursday at 11, so you can go to this thing for free. It's called the Spicy Anime Challenge, and it is definitely rated M. Oh, yes, at 11 M. p.m. It, it, yeah, not 11 a.m., mind you. This is, it is rated this is M for a mature. Last year, they had contestants. They would they would rectangle out just the boobs of an anime character, and then you <laughs> had to guess who that character was based on that character's boobs. Solely on their breasts. It yes, was they... the funniest damn thing. 
I've seen since um, the one we thing have... that we played at the new hotel where they were just throwing around penis whistles. Um, <laughs> it's the... Game show after dark. That was a brilliant yeah, show as well. So many creative, and unfortunately, Hidden Wizards won't uh, be there this year. But we've got those that aren't going to be there are going to be greatly missed because we have the most amazing team of game show producers who are on a constant coming up. We're having to rein them in. It's like, no, no more than four. Right. You make you do great work, but we can't have we don't have space for two hundred game shows, and. It, Believe me, I know it's hard to rein that in because I love doing game shows. I had to cut back my screen time game show to only four shows a weekend, not five. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's let these people go. We've been doing this yeah. for like 15 minutes. and But go check out the event descriptions, the schedules, uh, the game show. There's, there's so much more than just the game shows. There's so many panels, workshops, uh, celebrity Q&A. You know, I've been uh, fortunate to have been uh, moderated many a celebrity panel over the years and it's it's just amazing to be a conduit uh, to be there to help when people are, are learning about some of the behind the scenes stuff and just getting to know some of these people because they, they get the best celebrities who are the most engaging to the fans yeah they do yeah they do all right well why don't you close this up where can they find us well, we are on the Jedi Cole universe at JediCole.com, also on Podbean and probably elsewhere. Uh, yeah. And you can write to us at JCUmail at Yahoo.com. I'm working on finally finalizing the committed Hey Kids Comics email for fear <laughs> I'm missing stuff. So uh, apologies if you've written and we've missed it. I've got it. And no, we haven't. Okay. You suckers won't write so, us anything. So write to us, please, for the love of God. Also, the first and third Sundays of every month, you can check me out on live streaming video if you're so inclined with the Rancor Pit Live from 1030 to 1130 a.m. on com, And that is 1030 to 1130 a.m. Central Time. So, uh, you know, don't show up too early or too late. And uh, I live stream with Eddie Medina and the talk Lord of the Sith himself, Zach Schroeder. And on the third Sundays, rather, of every month, you can also check out Isle of Toys, A-I-S-L-E, where myself and guests usually uh, talk about all kinds of different toys, and we occasionally get some uh, video content from Andy. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes I show up, talk about cute little boots. You can find us <laughs> on the socials at HK Comics Show. Uh, say goodnight, Cole. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Uh, just remember... It's important when you're in a love triangle to be able to smell far and <laughs> and know what tubes are. Maybe sure. maybe Logan should get his tubes tied. Can he? Wait, <laughs> I, wait. Can would that even work? Can he get it? Uh, now I got it. That's this is uh, going to be like is the things thing made of rock. Can Logan get his tube? I'm going to have to do some research. So okay. until after the hiatus. Call Barry Niven. He's got the angle on all I call Dr. Hammond and ask him whether Logan can get his tube side. This has been Hey Kids Comics. We'll be back after the hiatus. Damn it. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. See you in April.